T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back here. Brian Mazarowski, Joe Beamer, continuing coverage of the blizzard and the cleanup that's now followed. Uh, hopefully a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here with warming temperatures, making things easier. No more snow to worry about. Uh, Joe, I, you know, we just uh, heard our interview from earlier this morning with uh, Joe Gorino, who's the uh, airfield superintendent over at the airport. The airport finally reopening at 11. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he's very defensive about um, being, which, uh, again, they're questions, not attacks. Right. Because I think people are genuinely curious about the storm and about the reasons why. And I'm trying to piece together, um, you know, and I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt in a very stressful situation. And by the way, I should mention about an hour from right now, expecting an update from the county you'll hear live on WBEN. But I I do want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt in kind of sounding a little wound up like that um, because it would have been a very stressful time. Yes. Uh, and obviously you want the airport open. I, I think the questions were <laughs> because we're not used to it, because it is very out of the ordinary. Um, it is unprecedented that the airfield, at the, and, you know, not the airport, not, you know, outgoing commercial flights, not just, you know, planes grounded. The airfield at the airport is still closed for another two hours. It's been closed for five days, and that's, uh, you, you know, just wild considering the blizzard of 77 and never shut down. You heard Joe said, well, the planes weren't going out. No, okay, but the, the airfield wasn't shut down. A big storm, seven feet of snow. You know, it, it shut down for, you know, at most a day maybe, and I'm thinking more about flights than the airfield itself. So I think that is where... People are curious. They're going to ask and want to know why um, this happened, right? Why and what led to. And if I can kind of piece through the interview, and, and again, like I'm not going to get on anybody for being um, uptight after a very stressful weekend and stressful five days. Uh, but if I can piece together, I, from the sounds of it, there's very good reasons why it was closed. I, I just would have liked to get more clarity on that because it, it was a great story, and I think shows some of the good that's being done at the airport from the sounds of it and again kind of hard to hear through everything else but from the sound of it a lot of the equipment that was being used to clear the airfield um some of the personnel that was would have been out there clearing the airfield and again just like everything we say 
No one is expecting anybody to be out there as the blizzard's happening on Saturday. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, that's not at all what we're talking about. But from the sounds of it, they actually were out there while the storm was going on trying to get people from nearby, uh, trying to save people who might have been stranded in cars, trying to save people who uh, might have been trapped nearby. And as a result, some of that equipment got stuck because it was out there and just like everything else, a truck, a plow, a car, it got stuck in the storm. And that's understandable. And it is completely understandable. I just wish there was a... A little bit more of that because people would have liked to hear that story. And people are understanding. And I hope that's clear out there to everyone, not just people listening, but people who are going to come on this show, that questions are not attacks. And questions in large part are from a genuine state of curiosity when, uh, especially when it results to the airport, something that has not had all the weather we've had in western New York an unprecedented, by far an unprecedented closure. And people are curious as to why. The um, airfield's usually one of the first things to open up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's why it's a question. It's it not is world-renowned snow fighters at the airfield. So when you hear about it being closed down for five days, you're obviously wondering what's happening. 803 uh, to join myself and Joe Beamer. And it's not like you ask, because questions can be attacked if you ask it this way. Couldn't you have opened <laughs> yeah. the airfield earlier? <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, you know, we're... Questions are not attacks, and in that kind of leads us into, right, the what we're talking about a little bit more today, and that is questions and ideas, um, lessons learned, but not just that, of where could things have gone better, 803-0930. Uh, where can we improve? How can things get better? And I, I want to kind of go back first, um, you know, to during the storm. And this is where, you know, again, uh, at our number 803-0930, you can weigh in on what you were maybe thinking throughout the storm because it might be different before, during, and now when it comes to the storm. But I, I'm generally the person who says that, listen, there's not much government can or maybe even should do in many situations. Like You are your own first person to defend yourself, you know, for lack of a better word, to survive yourself, to make decisions. Nobody is in charge of making decisions for yourself except for you. At the end of the day. So like that, to me, is where I start with everything. You know, you are in charge of making your own decisions. Looking in the mirror. When people talk about driving bans and when they went into place, uh, to me, that is not – I don't spend a whole lot of time on that because I don't think it should matter a lot. You know, a driving ban at the end of the day – you know, it is something that, as we heard yesterday, you can get tickets for. You know, it is illegal. But it really is words, a driving ban. As we've seen on the streets of Buffalo, you know, you're not really going to be stopped from driving in a driving ban. At the end of the day, 
it is a person-by-person decision on whether or not to go out there on the roads. And I would think the smart decision, right, would have been for most people if you do not absolutely have to go out there to stay home. Yes. Uh, That's the decision that I made Friday. Um, That's the decision I made sure, uh, you know, everyone in my house made on Friday that you're not going out there. It's going to be bad. We know what the forecast is. At the very least, wait and see what it's like uh, before you even think about going outside, right? Um, And that, to me, is where the bulk of the responsibility lies. But then there's so many other scenarios. How many people on the roads were told they had to come into work because businesses weren't shut down? Um, How many people on the roads were going to something essential? How many people were out there looking to check on somebody? Yep who might have been in need of some other support. There are a lot of those stories out there. And that's when, all right, you start to think, would a driving ban have helped that? And again, I'm not 100% sure if it would have. I I don't think it would have. I was out on the roads. Uh Uh-oh, please don't ticket me. I was out on the roads at the beginning of the driving ban, Brian. I went to Tops to get some stuff to hold us over here for a few days. And let me tell you, Unfortunately, there were a lot of people still on the roads, and Tops was packed with people right before they closed. So I think you're right. A driving ban, those are words. Um, as you can see in the city of Buffalo, there are people driving, and I would guess that they're not all essential uh, employees. Yeah, driving now in the city of Buffalo, that you shouldn't need any elected official, the police, uh, anybody to tell you that it's you know, not to drive in the city about you need people to tell you the conditions. But if you see an image, you hear about what's going on in the city. You hear that roads are impassable. Yes. I mean, that should be for most people enough to look at that and say, OK, well, I'm not going to be driving in the city of Buffalo. At the same time. The 190, it's a question that we were asking earlier this morning. We had Joe Golombek on a common councilman in Buffalo, and, uh, you know, it's, again, hard to tell exactly. So many people go off in different areas, but uh, he sounded much like Pat Lucy yesterday to say that if there is a way to open, and again, I don't know if this is 100% tr- uh, possible because you might end up with, what you might end up with is if you opened up the 190, you might end up with people going down, seeing that it's open, maybe they're coming from the 290, and then looking to get off at an exit, the exit would be closed right. into Buffalo. Should- like the idea would be to open up the 190 as a bypass through the city, but not let anybody get on or off inside of the city of Buffalo. And isn't that what we have the electric signs for? Hey, by the way, well, these th- exits those are closed. on the roads. Those are at the where you get on, right? Those are at the point of entry. Okay. The big gates. Oh, not so get- if you're on the 190, maybe it is impossible. To open up the 190 as a bypass without having people, say, on Niagara Street, if you're on the 190, all of a sudden start to go down that long, winding ramp of an exit and then realize, oh, it's closed. closed. I can't go in here. Uh, And the only way to do that would be to position state trooper cars or something like that. And you'd rather have those people out there saving lives. You're using resources that, yeah. But again, like you would like to hear these things explained uh, a little bit more in depth instead of just saying, 
well, why would you even try to go on? You know, when things are dismissed like that, I, I don't think it's really helpful to anybody. No, and, and Brian, you, you make a good point. You get stuck in the exit if the gate's down. I think if you put the electric sign up, but people ignore that. I've ignored the electric sign before. If you say, hey, you know, 190 open as a bypass only, no exits downtown open, but how many people would actually pay attention to that? I, I understand that point. And, and, you know, I mean, hey, there are roads open in the suburbs. I, I don't know about your drive-in today, Brian, but there are roads open that are still you know, an entire lane is filled of snow. You know, Main Street in Williamsville this morning, they were just starting to pick away at the snow, um, you know, uh, in one of the lanes because Main Street's really just been a two-lane, one way each way. And if that's what it looks like in Amherst, and they say Amherst is a lot better uh, situation than the city is now, I mean, that, that's the cleanup that is going on. And again, those are things that you'll take away. How could we have done this better? How could we have dressed this better? 8030930 to join us and how, you know, addressing those concerns, how would you have done anything better? What questions do you have about the ongoing situation and cleanup from the storm in the city of Buffalo? I'm thinking back to our driving ban forecast and something that we've been talking about, Joe, before the storm, and that was notifying people of things, yes. right? We were talking about a new law in New York State and how it was amazing. Nobody really knew about it. And much along the same lines that we were talking about that law, I think the same thing really does apply to the forecast. You know, as much everyone's got a weather app on their phone, it doesn't mean they open it. You know, we can we can say it over and over. On. <laughs> right, like it, we can say things over and over here on on the radio, but I, I don't think we should go around expecting people to listen to the news on the radio or pay attention to the weather on TV. You know, it, it's maybe like a little glance. Oh, I I think a lot of people might have been honestly looking at their phone on Friday. Oh, it's supposed to snow. Right, because that's uh, on a day-to-day basis, unless you really need to know the weather, that's kind of what we do. So is there a way to have made people more aware of, uh, because we can sit here and say, well, we had the warning. And we did. The National Weather Service called it a generational storm. But could we have made sure that everyone had that warning? Exactly. Just because the warning is out there doesn't mean that everyone is getting the warning. And and I can't help but think, Joe, uh, how many times I've been out in a supermarket somewhere else, and all of a sudden everyone's phones, like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? You know, flash flood warning, and it pings everybody's phones, and it goes off. And the flash flood warning usually, I I mean, has just no impact on where I am or or what I'm doing whatsoever. You're closer to a body of water. But yeah, but is (laughs) if you are anywhere near some body of water that might flood over, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You'll probably get that warning this week. I, I might, <laughs> but but it goes to everybody's phones and everybody gets this alert, and it really is an alert. You know, it's making a sound that it doesn't usually make. Yes, I've been woken up by that alert. I mean, can we have something like that when there is a forecast for a blizzard? When there is a blizzard warning, which do, it doesn't happen every year. No, it doesn't happen every two years. I, I mean, it's seldom that we get an actual blizzard warning. I mean, can we not push that out? I'm getting texts from the state. Hey, go! you should go get a COVID shot. Like, go. Are, are you updated on your COVID boosters? I, I don't know how I'm in that state database number, but can they be pushing out? <laughs> hey, you have a 716 area code. 
there's a blizzard coming. Like, this is what you need to know. Hey, here are where the warming centers are. Yes. Um, so as much as I will agree with everybody who says that, listen, during the storm, there's not much you can do. During the storm, we can't be having plows out there. Um, uh, we, fire trucks are getting stuck. Nobody can see their hand from their face. Yep. By the way, I do know I, I, Joe Garino um, with us uh, saying, well, if you were out there, I was out there. Like, we all, we're all out. We all live here. We all saw. You didn't have to be out there. You could look out, look out the window. I went out there, you know, to make it a point to see what it's like out there. I, I know exactly what it was like. I'm not expecting anybody to be out during that blizzard. Are there things we could have done to better prepare? I think it's a question worth asking after over 30 people passed away in a blizzard in Buffalo in 2022. It's the kind of thing where you, you do have to come away with this um, saying, what can we do better? What what If this happens again, what are the lessons we learn and, and how can we address this better? And, and I think all options should be on the table. Uh, and, and it is, in my opinion, it's very interesting when people do kind of just dismiss this. Well, we get we get winter weather. That's that's I'm sorry. That's an awful response. You, you have to ask the questions. And I think it's also people have to realize it's not an attack to ask how we can do better. We'll start uh, with Randy in Lewiston. Randy, uh, thanks for uh, giving us the call. What's going on? Randy, you there? All right, Randy's uh, busy putting the newscast together. We'll check in with Odell in Buffalo. Odell, how's it going? Good. How you doing, man? I- I'm doing all right now. That's good. That's good. I ha- I got a question for you guys. Okay. Now, if you have a driving ban, why do you open up a grocery store? Uh, Odell, it's a good question. It's not a, a simple solution. I- the idea here is people need to eat. And you can still walk. To, some people will be able to walk to a grocery store, right? Okay. I think right. they also. I think also, if in the ban, essential travel. I think they do call getting groceries if you're completely empty. Essential travel. I don't know that. That's just how I've always uh, and, and, perceived it. And, and again, I, I think Wegman's Tops. All the stores made the right call. Friday they shut down, and yep. they said we're not going to reopen until Monday. Uh, and, and now you're seeing. Part of the reason why, right, you can't get anything to the grocery store. They're yep. still without milk and eggs and everything like that. At some point, you do have to open the grocery store, though, don't you? Yes, you do. But my thing is, what if you need food right now, like we do in my place? I Again, this is why when we talked with Joe Golombek here, I, I think there needs to be some urgency in lifting the travel ban, and I'm, yes. there is urgency in moving the snow, but as soon as possible, Odell, to tell people you can get out there if you need to go get groceries, and by the way, here are the roads where you're not going to get stuck on. Do you see any roads like that by you? When it just came down my street last night, gave me a, gave us a one a, you know, a path out to the you know to the main street. Have you been out there? What's the main street looking like? Uh, when I walked out a little while ago, it, uh, it, Main Street is open. Yeah, and, and I think they, they passable. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, most of the main streets. I I, I I hope that we hear of the driving ban being being lifted soon, Odell. And I I um I, I appreciate the call. And let me tell you this, Brian. You know they talk about lifting the the, dra- the travel ban and um having to get the roads clear. But as I said. 
there are roads still in towns that have that had the driving ban lifted on Monday. There are still roads that are only uh, major roads. Main Street in Williamsville last night was two lanes, one each way. You know what I mean? There is a traffic circle on Harlem Road in Amherst that you can't get to. You drive up, it's a a bank of snow. You have to back up and turn around. That is in Chittawaga, who had their driving ban lifted. So I I think it's, are these roads passable? Can we get cars down them? Yes, there's going to be obstructions. I think that's what they're looking for. That's what they did in other municipalities. I I hope that's what they're doing in the city. And maybe we'll get more more information on that later in the morning. Um, By the way, a couple of people texting. The 190 is open to the Grand Island Bridge, but you have to get on from the 290 as I understand, yes. uh, to that small portion of the 190, because any further back, uh, the 190 would not be open. And uh, past the Grand Island Bridge into Niagara Falls, it is open. Um, uh, somebody texting, it doesn't do any good to open a grocery store if the employees can't get there. I, I mean, again, these stores are doing what they can to help people who need food or medicine or anything else. A lot of the stores, you know, I saw a store, they opened up at around 11. They put a sign on the door. We're going to have to close at 2 or 3 right? because we don't have the staff. But I appreciate them being open and making yes. the effort and doing what they can to be open. And maybe the whole idea of a driving ban, I, I don't know, Joe, maybe we need to revisit even that. A driving ban because well, I people- think especially over the past two years – We've gotten so used to hearing oh, yeah. people tell us, oh, you can't do that. Yep. Uh, you're banned. You can't go to this restaurant. You can't go here. Don't do this. Don't go gather in a home. Like, don't. I, there is a part of this that, you know, people have heard that so often. Just ignore it. They're brushing it off. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, that's, that's just what's going to happen. It's always going to happen. When you can- it's like the oldest fable in the book. The boy who cried wolf. Everyone yes. knows the story, but no one ever, you know, realizes yep. when it's happening. That is partially what's happening. Maybe it is, and obviously during the storm, you shouldn't be out in zero visibility when all the snow's out there. In the immediate aftermath of the storm on Sunday morning, you would say you cannot come here, you cannot drive in these areas. But maybe very quickly that just turns to, okay, here are. Two streets that are open. Yes. Here are the areas you cannot drive. Maybe it has to be hyper-specific, and that could better relay the message to people that we're not just saying because we like to say, oh, don't do this, that there is a serious emergency out there. And, you know, to prove it, here are the streets, we'll name them, where you cannot drive right now, or the neighborhoods maybe. Um, And that maybe that's a better way to get the message around than just saying, ban again i don't know but we have to start looking for answers as to how to better respond obviously we learned that there are storms like this what we have in place is not working um or it could at least be fixed it could at least have some improvement um to it i I don't think you can walk away from the storm pat yourself on the back and say all right we're ready for the next one Uh, i think there's definitely got to be discussions all ideas have to be put on the table and and please uh, none of this just dismissing stuff every idea needs to be considered in my opinion 8030930 starting at 30 it's bmaz and beamer news with randy and then back after this we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Uh, we are back. Brian Mazrowski here. Joe Beamer with me and uh, bringing you through coverage of the storm. And, uh, Joe, we were just talking about this during the break. And this is from uh, you know a national perspective from the Washington Post, uh, You know, trying to make sense of how there could be such a devastating impact because this is the question i think for people outside of buffalo you know buffalo snows like that is the bills snow wings yes that is what people know of buffalo buffalo from around the country so how can there be such a devastating impact from snow in a winter storm in buffalo an area that's supposed to deal with this i think there's an interesting point in this Washington Post piece uh, where they say the impact is in part, and they list a lot of things here, but I I like this part. The immense difficulty of trying to force residents who are largely desensitized to severe weather to abandon much-needed jobs as well as holiday plans. And I would add to that everyday life because there is some real truth to that, that we are desensitized to snow. We talk about it all the time. Uh, an inch or two of snow that would cripple Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. you know, is just a normal Tuesday here. Yeah, no excuse. And a big snowstorm is – I was actually thinking this the other day, going back to the November 2.0 storm that we just had. And, you know, everyone's kind of back at it a few days later. And I'm thinking, like, wow, did we just brush off, like, six feet of snow – Almost like it was nothing. Like, that is incredible. I remember thinking we must have really learned something from the first November storm to be able to almost act like the, the biggest thing was the Bills game got moved. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> the, I, I mean, to in just a few days be back on our feet. I think there's a lot of truth to in some ways being desensitized to the point where I – you can say there's a travel ban. You can say watch out. You can say even a blizzard warning. And I think people are just going to be like, yeah, you know, winter weather, I'm used to driving through the snow. Yeah. How much worse can it be? We, we were on the station last week talking about the incoming storm. And when we went to break, I was talking about how I, could, I can't wait for my plans on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You, you know what I mean? Like, I never thought it would get to the – I know what they were saying. We knew what they were forecasting. Brian, I was still saying, hey, I'm going to be at your house for the Bills game on Christmas Eve. I, I never thought it because of that mindset. Oh, we're from Buffalo. 
I can drive through this. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to stop me. I mean, how many texts did you take last week in the lead up to the storm of like, well, you know, come on, is it really going to be bad? Like, uh, like that's the, yeah. you know, you give the forecast and then I'll be fielding texts off the air. Like, really? Like, you know, what, what's it really going to be like? And I would try and tell people, like, I don't think, you know, from the sounds of the forecast, late Friday, first half of Saturday, at least, like, you're not going to be able to drive, like, white out. Um, I also, I had an appointment uh, canceled on Friday, and I, at, on Thursday, said, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Don't you think that's a bit overreacting? I mean, that, but that goes to the mindset of people in Buffalo. And so how can we better change that? Like, what can we do? And you mentioned, you know, it's funny, on our text board, 8030930, uh, someone said, whatever happened to the emergency broadcast system? And, you know, I, I never really thought about that until now, to be honest, even though, how often do we run the emergency alert system test? We ran that test exactly two hours ago. <laughs> but it's like every day you're hearing that this is only a test. And, you know, this text comes in and I'm thinking, well, hang on a second. Like, what type of emergency would have to be happening to actually run that for real? Because, like, wouldn't this be the scenario? And wouldn't that be the thing that gets everybody's attention if on Thursday you were hearing those tones and then you heard on every TV and radio station, every device that was on, blizzard warning, you will not be able to travel starting at least by noon on Friday into the holiday weekend. I mean, that would have, and again, this is all hindsight. Yeah. But that would have got everybody uh, everybody's attention when, you know, you can use the word generational storm, which to the credit of the National Weather Service they had been doing for a week. I still think it's hard to get people's attention talking about winter weather in Buffalo. Yes. And as much as I want to know when we use the emergency broadcast system, I'd love to know when that actually goes into effect. How many people are desensitized to that because they hear or it's see only a, test. a test? Every week, no matter if you're watching TV, you're listening to radio, no matter what station you're listening to, once a week you hear that it's just a test. Um, we'll go to South Buffalo. Brian is on the line. How are the roads looking by you, Brian? Well, actually, they're they're pretty clear now. I guess they did uh, most of the side roads off of South Park. I live next to the post office. They're pretty much uh, just about every road is clear now. But the question I had is when they were when they started out the snow removal, instead of doing consecutive streets, say, for example, from Tiff Street towards Lackawanna, they were doing like one street and then miss four, then do the other. Why didn't they do consecutive streets? Because I have friends that lived on certain streets, and they have major health issues. And I got snow up to my kneecaps, and there's no EMT is going to get down that street. I just... I just maybe you can maybe answer no. That's that. it. I, I don't know the answer to that question, Brian, but I'm writing it down as you say, so that the next time we talk to somebody, that could be answered. Because I, I don't know the reason why that would be. It, it seems to make sense, right? Um, and, and it might allow for more people to get to other people for help. So, um, thank you for the question because I'll use that question uh, the next time we have somebody on to you know ask about the snow removal process. Why can't it be done? consecutively in consecutive streets and like i said that i think all these questions need to be asked I, and they're all good ideas uh randy and lewiston do we have you this time randy yep 
How's it going? I just wanted to uh, – it's going good. I just wanted to uh, uh, maybe defend these guys moving the snow out at the airport and in the city. I've been plowing for 35 years, and this snow is like nothing I've ever plowed before. It's like it's hard packed down by the wind or something. In places that have two feet of snow – it's plowing like it's three or four feet of snow. It's Randy. I, um, you know, just from clearing out my own house, I, you, you know, I get it. That, that bottom half of snow was crazy. I, I mean, it would take it jam and jam and the snow blower into it just to kind of move it along. Yeah. Um, I don't think they need defending because, again, I there's well, no attack going on. It's just uh, to wrap your head around why when this has never happened before in history. I, I think people want to know. Well, what, what I think is where you thought there was going to be two or three feet of snow in this storm and it was going to take set amount of equipment to move it, you need three or four times the amount of equipment to move it, and nobody really thought about that. I, I, I'm, I'm plowing lots where normally it takes me a couple hours to do. It's taking me five, six, seven hours to do. Um, you know, Randy, I'm curious to where, if you're out there plowing, still, where are you moving all this stuff? Because it is, I, I saw people... Can. You got to pile it up wherever you can, and then you're going to have to bring a loader in and, and move it around again. It, it is crazy. Loader, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's crazy in some it, spots. And thanks for the call. I'm, I'm telling you, like my drive-in today, Brian. I saw on Main Street on Maple, people just set up, uh, you know, uh, the the plow set up, and they're just taking that snow one mountain at a time off of Main Street. It, it's it, I have never seen anything like it. To uh, to Randy's point, I have never seen something like that. That the, this far removed, we still have lanes on major roads completely blocked by a pile of snow by piles of snow also there are still two cars stuck on main street as of this morning it it takes time i saw um and i drove home on the 290 which was great uh looked great yesterday um you know maybe an hour or so after they opened it (laughs) half the traffic i saw on the 290 were tow trucks with cars that were hauled away from somebody taking them to who knows where I mean, that was to give you an idea of the amount of cars still kind of stuck out there and how much equipment you talk about snow removal equipment, like car removal equipment. Yeah. How much of that you need? Um, And again, I think this is part of it where there are things that you cannot control right in the aftermath, the cleanup going on right now in Buffalo City streets. You can look at the situation that they're dealing with right now, and I I don't know about you, Joe. To me, it's kind of obvious to see why it would take so long. They're narrow streets. It's tough. You heard from our plow driver right there. It's tough snow to move to begin with. Now you have all these cars that you have to maneuver around that you can't really maneuver around. You have more cars adding to the problem. You can see why. One, they're still asking no cars to come into Buffalo until it's done. Uh, two, these cars that are going in are slowing things down even more. And, and three, why this takes forever. You can have as much equipment as you want, but you're not going to be able to drive a car through a, a narrow street or, or a plow, excuse me, through a narrow street when there's a car blocking the middle of it. Exactly. I it's mean, just not going to happen. You have to figure out a way around it. The it, question is, like, what could have been done more so if anything, to make sure those cars were not on the road. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you can have as much equipment as you want, but if there's obstacles and 
Brian, we've seen the obstacles around town. Um, that's slowing. That's slowing down. I don't care how much extra equipment you have. And, and how many people out there too? The holiday. Uh, the Washington Post wrote about you know the holiday weekend, seeing family. It wasn't just essential going to the job. I. How many people out there would have said on Christmas Eve and Christmas weekend, like the hell I'm not going to see my family. Right. I might have not seen them the last two holidays. I Christmas like this might be the one time a year we all get together ever. I th- that mindset is stronger than any wording that a public official is going to put out and that's the unfortunate reality of it. So like for those people should they have gone out like in the end obviously not. You know, right. we see the result of it. But I, to blame anybody for that mindset amongst the population like you can't blame people. I'm not going to blame the people who are out there for having that mindset. I'm not going to blame any public official that people were out and about. What could have been done better? What what could have changed your mind? If you're hell-bent on getting somewhere and you know that, oh, okay, there's a storm coming. What could have changed your mind? That's what we need to be looking at. Also, Joe, I, I think it might be you know the last time we did a normal show here uh, before this week was Thursday, yeah. and we were talking about uh, people in Albany going back uh, to give themselves a pay raise in a special session. Every uh, one in the assembly got an extra $30,000. Uh, that's what they were talking about right before the storm over in Albany. I was just doing a little math. So $30,000, uh, 150 people in the assembly. So one year cost about uh, $4.5 million. Yeah. And if you got like the best snowmobile on the market, like $19,000, um, so if you maybe put off the raises for a year and instead spent four and a half million dollars on snow, you could have bought 236 snowmobiles for the city of Buffalo. Like these are the things we might want to look at in the future. I was told they couldn't go another year without those raises. But I, like that is <laughs> yeah. the kind of plan, like that is something that, all right, you're not going to stop maybe people from being on the roads. You're not going to stop what we're seeing and the headaches of removing snow and removing cars but maybe we can be better prepared with a fleet of snowmobiles if we suspect this might happen in the future. I mean, am I the only one that assumed most municipalities had snowmobiles? I mean, I assume that. I I, I, I wouldn't have assumed. Oh, I assume. When, when have you ever seen one? Well, I didn't ask myself that question, Brian. <laughs> I just I assumed we live in Buffalo. Those are, you know, snowmobiles can get through snow. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I assume that municipalities had snowmobiles. I, I feel like an idiot, uh, but I I had that assumption until a few days ago. Uh, we'll go to uh, Elma and Bob. Uh, Bob, what do you say? You remember the blizzard of 77? Yeah, I, I plowed the blizzard of 77, and for people to say that this was worse than the blizzard of 77, weren't even born. The blizzard of 77 was a lot worse because the lake was froze. The snow was on the lake. It was like sandpaper. The plows would ride up over the snow. We have more and better equipment now than we've ever had. Go look at Channel 7 and look at the pictures. You had two-wheel drive cars. Yeah, hey, Bob, I... I, I can understand the equipment and the, the comparison. I, what was the duration uh, for, you know, I obviously wasn't around, the blizzard of 77. From storm start to when it was all over, I, how long did that take? 
it really was about five days. Wow. But, you know, you had fire departments that worked together. The county executive, all he talks about is this Tahoe that we paid for. He he should have had two men in every truck. Everybody thinks that if you have a ton of equipment, that's not the answer. The answer is put two men in a truck so one can watch the side of the road. Sure, you can't see. And I like the guy at the airport, you can't see. Well, hell no, nobody can see. But you drive slow, you get through it. If you got to stop, you stop. When it like the wind lets up, you keep going. You know, Bob, I, I love the call and thank you. And I, I can't bring myself to say that. I don't have the experience. We've taken now a bunch of calls, and I've seen the comments from, no offense, Bob, I'm going to say, the old timers who uh, have driven plows for a lot and have uh, you know, kind of said exactly what you were saying, like to get out there, like we would have been out there. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to put that on anybody because I personally cannot imagine anybody being out there. You were the one who drove the plow, so I'm going to say you probably know more than I do, but the zero visibility, I, I'm not going to mis- – I'm not going to blame anybody for there being no plows out there and zero visibility when we heard the stories. The reason there were no plows out is because plows started getting stuck in the snow, in ditches, on the road, and then they made the decision to get rid of the plows. And by the way, on our text board, I have to say this, uh, you know, someone's saying, ask if there were any looting uh, in 77. There was. I was looking through some of the old uh, newspaper clippings and articles from the blizzard of 77. It is just amazing, Joe, how everything to the T just repeats itself. Massive blizzard, the snow drifts, looting, looters uh, found and prosecuted, um, uh, under uh, you know contract to remove snow, under scrutiny, uh, investigations, questions as to you know how this. It, it's all the same stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's all the same stuff. It might look a little different. The wording is a little bit different in the way that they wrote back then. As a I think they wrote a little bit better back then as opposed to right now. Of course. But I, uh, it, it is all the same things happening again and again. I will say this about driving in the, in the conditions. Now, I, I, I don't drive a plow truck, um, and I am thankful for those that, uh, that were right out here on Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and got the work started. Um, but I did drive, and again, I, I'm not proud of it, but I did drive to get some last-minute stuff for us here at the station. And let me tell you, Brian— I don't live that far from the station, but just driving down to tops and back made me not want to get in my car again. I mean, it was the worst conditions I've ever driven in. Yeah, to to be on what you what feels like just regular, you know, pavement, right? It feels like you're right on the road, and then to hit one of those drifts to go from no snow under your car to six inches at the time uh, because of the uh, of the snow drifts because of the wind, it was awful. To go through an intersection and it was fifty fifty. If the person coming the other way knew they had a red light, I mean, it was it was absolutely awful, and I, I will not talk poorly about anyone not wanting to drive out in that because I got to the station. You shouldn't be. And I text I text my wife. I said, I don't think I'll be home tonight. I can't go back out in that. The I talked about it last week. I remember driving around the corner back here. Um, you know, maybe a little bit. There was one more turn in there. Um, but not that much further than your drive that you were just describing. Back in the blizzard 2014, 
in the whiteout condition. And I remember last week thinking, all right, they're calling for a blizzard. They're calling for a whiteout condition. I'm not. I remember what that was like. I'm not going back into that. Dave in Cheektowaga, you're on WBEN. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, you know, I was stuck somewhat in the blizzard of '85, and they're, you know, they're they're putting trucks on the 190 to stop people from getting on and whatever. One of the things that they did back in '85 was they piled snow on all the entrances and exits to block them off. This way, the, the trucks are freed up and everything else. And then when they decide to open the throughway, the trucks and payloaders go down there and, you know, one at a time, they open up all the entrances. You don't have to tie up all these trucks, state police, and everybody else. And that, that is a good idea. I agree. You know what? If you get on the 290 and come down into the 190, well, you're not getting off. You're not getting off. So you're going to end up going right, right in the big circle back onto the 290 from the Back onto the 90, around to the 190, it's going to be like a NASCAR, you know. And the other yesterday on TV, I don't know, I won't say, I don't remember who it was and on whatever, but they're saying that if you need to go get food, you can drive. Well, they when they they, they opened it up to a can, a can of worms when they made it to where these people now become all essential workers, all these tops, McDonald's, uh Delta Sonic. So can you tell me who is not a non-essential worker? Can someone explain to me who a non-essential worker is? It's a good question, Dave. And uh, sorry to cut you off, but we are running out of time. I mean, you know, it gets a whole new meaning. What's an essential worker? When does a supermarket employee become an essential worker? Is it throughout? Is it two days after? Is it, you know, I don't think these are but these are things easy questions to yourself. And I think the point Dave was making there in your own world and, you know, you are an essential worker. If you have to get to work and you need that job, you're going to say, all right, I'm an essential. If they're telling me I need to get there, it's essential to you. I, uh, I I think there are, and we'll continue this again, you know, tomorrow throughout the day. Questions need to be asked. They're not attacks, but after a storm like this, what can we do better? And, and that's one of the things. Clarify. Clarify a driving ban. Clarify essential. Those are things that are pretty easy to take care of. Um, I think it's part of the the big aftermath of this, which, Brian, we have just began. I won't see you tomorrow. You will not see me tomorrow. Brian's all by himself. I'm taking a day off. We'll be back together on Friday. So uh, I look forward to that. And don't forget, during David's show, County Executive Mark Polengars. Oh, yeah. Coming up in just a couple minutes, uh, BMS and Beamer on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 